I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. Today's thought from above is this. Your portion is perfect peace. If you missed the pilot episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on good, beautiful, and true thoughts, on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. Today, I want to talk about our inner life with God. And there are times when, at least in my own experience, I feel very connected to God, and other times I feel distant. Let me just begin by offering two different scenarios. See if you can relate to these two scenarios. The first one is this. You're lying in bed, and you find yourself flooded with warm feelings of faith. You feel a deep connection to God. Maybe it's been a really good week. You felt like God was with you. Things just seem to be going right, and you feel the nearness of God. And in that graced moment, if I were to ask you, do you feel the reality of God? You would say, absolutely. Scenario two, you wake up in the middle of the night, overwhelmed by feelings of chaos, emptiness, doubt, and fear. You try to imagine God's existence, but somehow God feels very distant. You want to feel God's reality, but you're just drawing a blank. If I were to ask you in that moment, do you feel connected to God? You would say, absolutely not. For many of us, both of those scenarios are things that we have experienced. I suspect many of you listening to this right now can say, you know, I, I, yeah, I felt that first one. Those moments, maybe it wasn't in bed, maybe it was in a retreat, or it was in a time of prayer, or it was maybe in a worship service, or somehow I felt really connected, like God was with me. I felt that. And then at other times, you think, well, I I don't know what happened, but I feel very distant from God. I think a fair question is, does this mean that, in the case of the two scenarios, that on one night your faith was strong? And that on the other night, your faith was weak. Is this a matter of you not having enough faith? Is it really on you? What else might be going on that would create that difference between those two different scenarios? I think all of us relate to to the man in Mark 9.24 who brought his son to Jesus to be healed. And Jesus says, do you believe to the Father? of this son who's sick, do you believe? And he says to Jesus, I believe. Help my unbelief. I think all of us can relate to feeling both of those things. There are times when we can just say, I I believe, I really believe, I feel it. But help my unbelief, because there's a part of me that struggles. I think it's a natural thing for all of us to experience. 
So let's ask the question, why is it that at sometimes, certain times we feel that connection and other times it's very difficult to sense God's presence? Well, I'm going to do just a little bit of theology, if that's all right. Just, you know, sometimes people will say, "This is theology important in the Christian life? I say, absolutely, because how we think about God determines everything. Remember what A.W. Tozer says, how we think about God, that determines our spiritual future. The most important thing, he said, about any person is what they think about God. So let me just do some basic theology about the nature of who God is. It's important because it relates to this issue. The first thing to be said is this. God is not like any other person. We relate to a lot of different people. When I relate to a group of individuals, human beings that I know, I see these persons, right? And we say God is a person. God is God in three persons in the Trinity. But we have to first say God is not like any other person. Ronald Rollheiser put it this way, God is infinite and infinity cannot be captured. God is infinite. You and I are finite creatures, but God is infinite, so we can't capture God in the same sense that we can some other person. God is not a thing in the universe. In fact, God is the context in which all things exist. God is being. That's, that's a big statement, but God is being itself. You and I have existence, but God is existence. And that's really, really crucial because it tells us something about the nature of, of God. And it also means that God can be with us, all of us, at any time and in any place, which is a beautiful thing. So as I'm lying on my bed and I'm praying, I'm meditating, I'm connecting with God, that's happening to me in real time, wherever I am, whatever that day is. But God can also be present to someone across the world, someone in South Africa or India or England or Brazil or Australia. Doesn't matter. God can be present with all of us because God is existence. And that's a beautiful thing. But the first thing we have to do is just acknowledge, okay, God is not like any other person. So if we're going to try to figure out when God feels near and when God feels far, let's first of all just admit that God is not like any other person. That's pretty crucial. But this allows God to be closer to us than we can possibly imagine. In fact, St. Augustine said, writing in the 4th fourth century, St. Augustine said, God is closer to me than I am to myself. God is closer to me than I am to myself. I feel pretty close to myself. Like I, I am in my own skin. I am close to myself. But when Augustine said that, I, I went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's that idea that somehow God, because God is existence, is closer to me than I am to myself. So if I feel distant, is it because of lack of faith or is it possibly something else? Second, in answering that question, why is it difficult at sometimes to experience God and other times it's easy? Why is it what's going on there? So first of all, God is not a person like any other. But second, God wants to be seen, but only when we seek God for God. See, God, God is always present to us, but we're not always present to God. 
And I love the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13. When you seek me, you will find me. That's a promise. This is God speaking. When you seek me, you will find me. But here comes the next clause. If you seek me with all your heart. Now that's not to throw a lot of pressure on us, like, oh my gosh, I have to be 100%. What it means is that idea, if you seek me with all our heart, is that we cannot seek God as a thing. Many times we seek God as something for our benefit. We, we approach God for what God can do for us. I know early on as a Christian, I didn't really know what prayer was. And the only experience I had with that was that I saw people praying and it seemed like they were just giving their laundry list of needs. Oh, God, help with this. Oh, God, can you do that? As if God was sort of an errand boy, you know, like, I need these things done. Can you do that? That's not seeking God for God. That's seeking God for what God can do. So I think when Jeremiah says that, when God speaks through Jeremiah and says, when you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all your heart, means we have to seek God for God's sake. Because if I seek God to solve my problems, or if I seek God to accomplish my ambitions, both things I have done, that will create an obstacle to genuine communion with God. It's likely I'm not going to feel that intimate connection if that's my approach. That doesn't mean God looks at our laundry list of requests or when we turn to God to solve our problems that God goes, oh, you, you, you silly person. (laughs) God understands us and gets us and is merciful and is kind. Just as when a child to a parent says, can I have some ice cream? You might say, well, I wish you wanted something better or asked for something better, but I understand. God is sympathetic to where we are and our needs. But when we're talking about drawing close to God and feeling that closeness, we have to factor those two things in. God's not like any other person, and we have to seek God for God. I've talked a lot on this podcast about two men who were incredibly influential in my life, Richard J. Foster and Dallas Willard. I was privileged to um, get to know both of them, to be mentored by both of them, to spend a lot of time, a lot of time, many, many hours with both of these men. And people will say, what is it that you learned the most from them? And they might even just say from Richard or just or from Dallas. But the answer is actually the same. The thing that I take away from both of these men is that they were with God. They were two men who were genuinely connected to God. They spent time with God. They didn't just know things about God. They, they are people who arrange their lives to be with God. And Dallas even has that wonderful phrase about, about creating uh, that quietly transforming friendship with Jesus. What a great phrase. A quietly transforming friendship with Jesus. Dallas had that. Richard had that. And I saw them model it, and I wanted it. They never said to me, Jim, you need to do this. I just wanted what they had. I, I wanted to do that. But I, so I would say, well, how do you do this? And both men taught me about the practice of the disciplines for the spiritual life, which they had both written about extensively, Richard in Celebration of Discipline, Dallas in Spirit of the Disciplines, and, and both of them, all of their other writings really talk about that, these practices. But I would learn things about prayer, worship, study, silence, meditation. 
uh, how, how to read the classics, how to connect to God through the scriptures. And so I saw them doing it. I, I learned from them how to do it myself. And I learned how to connect with God. Those practices really are a way of life. Again, quoting from Ronald Rollheiser, because I just got to hear him actually about a month ago. And this is what he said. He said, God does not appear at the end of an equation. God appears at the end of a way of living. So well said. You know, we, we try to figure out God, you know, and do philosophy and do arguments and try to piece together evidence. No, God's not going to show up at the end of your equation. God appears at the end of a way of living. We engage in practices that create space to be with God. And when we learn how to be with God, seeking God with all of our heart, we'll find him. I love another thing that Father Rollheiser said in his talk. He said, sometimes people have said to him through the years, aren't these practices, these disciplines for the spiritual life, aren't aren't they just going through the motions? Things like going to worship, you know, going to church on Sunday, going to... He said, aren't these just going through the motions? And, And Father Ronald said, yeah, but the motions are everything. I love that. The motions are everything. God gave us these practices for us to engage in them, and they're ways to create space for God, and God can meet us in the midst of those practices. It's so profound because, you know, God wants to speak to us. God wants to communicate with us. Jesus has not contracted laryngitis. He wants to address us. And God's plan is for us to live a life without lack, as Dallas said. When I was little, my mom took me to see the, the movie Oliver, the musical. And it's, it's based on, on Dickens' great novel. But in, in the musical, this little boy, Oliver, becomes an orphan. And he's in this orphanage. And the conditions are not great. And he's trying to adjust to this, you know, going from where he was to this new way of life. And they give him this little bowl of gruel, you know, this food to eat, and they don't give him very much. And he eats it, and he's still hungry, and he goes forward, and he says, he holds up his bowl and says, please, sir, can I have some more? And, and the man running the orphanage looks at him and says, more? You, you dare to ask for more? That scene really etched indelibly into my mind as a kid. I, I remember feeling this incredible compassion for, for Oliver. But I think also I resonate with that idea because for many of us, including myself in my early journey, I really did think that God might be like that man saying, more, you want more, that, that God was wanting me to earn it. God was wanting me to, to prove my worth, to get something. But again, doing theology, here's what Dallas Willard said about God. We are blessed to live in a world where there's a generous God who wants to provide what is best for us and loves us more than we could ever imagine. Now put all that together. You've got a God who can be anywhere at all time. God is the ground of all existence. It's a God who wants to be with us, but only when we want to be with God. And then the nature of that God is a generous God who loves us beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. I know that some of you listening today are familiar with failure and struggle 
and suffering, to feel distant from God, to be in a condition of need. Some of you listening today have experienced incredible brokenness. You have cried yourself to sleep. You have lost things that you love. That is the nature of the human experience. But I would say this, this is not your portion. Think about Oliver. He was given this little bowl of gruel, right, with a meager portion, not given very much. Those things that we experience, the suffering, the struggling, the failure, the loss, that's not our portion. That's not what God has in mind for us. Instead, if we think about the 23rd Psalm, there's a different vision for the portion God has in mind. Though we struggle, God restores our soul. Though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. God is with me. He even sets a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Talk about a portion. My cup is overflowing more than I actually need. That's my portion. That's who God is, what God wants for us. God longs for us to experience increase and abundance and healing and restoration, to experience favor and opportunity and blessing. That's what God longs for us. That is our actual portion, what we were designed for. God is with us in incredibly profound ways. Not long ago, I came across a a song, a Christian song that I was very moved by, and it quickly put it on repeat and would listen to it over and over and over. It's called Christ Abides by Eliza King, where she writes, In the crowded thoughts, you are an open space, and I hear your voice calling me to come away where the eagle flies. You're raising me high with you to heavenly places, heavenly places. I have the mind of Christ. My portion is his perfect peace. Hear that again. My portion is his perfect peace, Christ. For Christ abides with me. I'd like you to listen to just a little bit of that song now, to hear those words, let them wash over you, to penetrate into your mind and seep down into your heart. So how do we live into that? How do we live into that idea that God wants to be with me, that my portion is to be with God, my portion is his perfect peace? How do we experience that? In, in his book, Life Without Lack, Dallas gives some suggestions. One is about how we start our day. Dallas says to start your day with Jesus. He writes this in Life Without Lack. He says, kneel for five or ten minutes and welcome the presence of Jesus. You may not think it'll make any difference to kneel when you pray, but try it anyway. 
then consider the difference it, it may have made. As you pray, give up the day to God, renewing your invitation to Him to be with Him each moment. Now, you may not physically be able to kneel, but if you can find a way to bow before God in whatever way you're able to do that, I think that gets at the same thing. That idea that we're submitting and surrendering and we're saying, God, here's my day. This is the thing I have in front of me. I offer it up to you. I want to be with you each moment of the day. And then Dal says, during the day, we can actually begin practicing ways to connect and be with God. He writes, train yourself to use each change of person or event to remind you to pray and to bless so that mere change becomes a signal to turn your mind back to God. I might say to set your mind on things above. So you're going through your day and you're leaving one meeting to go to the next one or there's other, some other shift or change within the day. During that pause, Dallas is saying that's a time to turn your mind back to God. And then finally, how to end your day with the practice that we would call examine. Dallas says, just take 15 minutes in quiet solitude to review and examine the day. I like to do this, to stop and say, where did I feel you today, God? Where did I, where did I go away? Where, where was I distant? Where did I get preoccupied? But what thing did I see you do today? I spy these things that you did in this day, conversations that happened, interactions, events. That's where I saw God. Because that is our portion. Our portion is to have as much of God as we can handle. God wants to be with us as much as we can possibly take on in our lives. And we can grow and expand to experience that. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hey folks, I want to let you know about a recent development here at Friends University where I teach. We have an undergraduate degree program in Christian spiritual formation, a Bachelor of Arts degree, that's both a first and a second major. Now, I teach in this program, as well as some other amazing professors, and I am pleased to announce that Friends University is offering an amazing scholarship of up to $18,000 per year to students interested in studying Christian formation as a part of their college experience. In addition to this amazing scholarship, there'll be hands-on learning with ministry leaders, working with me and others, and great opportunities for internships. Again, this is for both a first major, those who plan on going into ministry, as well as those seeking it as a second major, meaning those who are going to become accountants or therapists or graphic designers or teachers or engineers, any number of other vocations, but they also want to grow in their spiritual lives while in college and get a pretty big scholarship to help pay for college. So if you know someone who would benefit from a degree like this, check out our website, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. Again, apprenticeinstitute.org, and click on the Friends University tab. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things Above podcast, you can do so on our website, apprenticeinstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy, and it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, What's on your mind? Your answer will be things above.